This is I Don't Care If You Listen podcast. My mommy, Shawnee, and my auntie, Leonica. This is episode number four. That's it. Adnan's up trying not to lose my head. Don't push it. Don't Girl, push it. I make that stat at least once a year. Right? <laughs> Hello. I don't care if you listen. It's the name of our podcast. I am Shalini, and that is my girl. Leonica in the house. Hey, girl. How you doing? I'm good. Happy new week. Uh, We're getting a little bit of traction on our podcast. People are listening. People are enjoying. Some people are agreeing and very happy that we're giving them a place. Other people are saying, hey, we don't really agree with you, but we still like the conversation. And quite frankly, it's all about the convo. I'm just saying. I feel you, sis. It's just that type of thing where I, I you know, I, I was telling you, I am exposing myself a little bit. Vulnerability, this whole wearing your heart on your sleeve. People know exactly what you think before uh-huh. the internet, before social media. You kind of had opinions about people and your opinions stayed in your head and you didn't actually know what they felt and thought. And when you do things like this and we do a podcast like this, we're pretty much letting you know how we feel about every stinking thing. So when you see us, like I saw a lady at at my kid's school and she was like, oh, Shalini, I listened to your podcast. And I was kind of like, either she loves me or she hates me, but at least she's still (laughs) talking to me. I don't know what's going on. I think it's fine. Yeah, and it's healthy, and I feel like it's really therapeutic, too, you know? Well, it is definitely therapeutic. I'm having a ball. Good. We talked a lot about uh, getting back to why you created your hair blog and all the conversation about, I don't know if it's even, like we, we were talking about, it's not new, the conversation about hair. It was just a new incident. You could hear the humiliation and the pain that this beautiful little girl had at being rejected. When we were talking last week, there was a little boy who was kicked out of class, the first day of class, for having his hair basically twisted up. He had dreads. I guess the school says that they had a policy about the hair being not being past the ear or past the nape of the neck. And so, you know, the father posted the video. It was really hard to watch because the little boy looked like he was just like gonna break down and cry any second and who's to blame him he was excited about his first day of school but when I brought it up you were like Shell that is nothing new that's been going on forever yeah but there's also another video you need to um take a look at it's a little girl it happened down in Louisiana
some of it was hard to hear, but it was basically audio of her parents picking her up. All the breathing that we were hearing was her crying. I mean, when you you could literally hear her sobbing. I'm not saying just Catholic school, but any school, sixth grade, that is just a level of female life that you are so... I just feel horrible for her. What an awful way to start off a school year. It's really pathetic. It's very insensitive, and it's targeted towards Black people. And her hair was so beautiful. It was very neatly styled. It was pulled back in a bun, so it couldn't fly in her face. And you could tell she she was just upset about having to leave school. She wanted to stay at school. Well, yeah, she didn't do anything wrong. She got dressed for her first day of school and was excited for her first day of school. It's ridiculous. So has this ever happened to you? Had this ever happened to you growing up? No, um, I haven't had any institutionalized discrimination because of my hair. I'm very fortunate from that. But there's a lot of interracial issues where I was teased about my hair when it was in its natural state to the point where I wore perms for 20 years. Like, until 2011, I didn't even know how to do my hair. Is that when you started your blog? Um, No, I started my blog about two years ago because I felt like I had kind of got it in terms of what I needed to do to train my hair and to maintain it. And people were always asking me, how do you do that? And what products do you use? And where do you get that? Um, And I also started joining different groups and learning from other people. So I started sharing the things that they were doing and going from there. And so when people ask me about my hair and what I do, I just send them to my blog, thelovelyone.com, which is D-A-L-O-V-E-L-E-E-1.com. Because that's my alter ego I kind of made up when I was at a down point. And I just played off my name, Love Lee. Because one day I was like, I need to love Lee. And I was like, oh, it's a lovely life. That's lovely. And so um, I just started saying lovely all the time to remind myself to love Lee. It just evolved into the lovely one. Hair is something that I think goes across generations and across cultures. You can find different stories, different, different examples of how it is so important or so has such an impact on people with you starting your blog and stories like this and you telling me about perming your hair for 20 years i think i've heard a lot of stories from black women who are just kind of fed up with having to do that to themselves yeah why should i have to change the chemical makeup of my hair why should i have to conform to someone else's standards My hair is just fine the way it comes out of my head. And if I can't love that, I can't even love myself. You should go and love yourself. And you found a big community around that. I mean, there's a lot of people having this conversation. The black hair industry is a $8 billion industry. And that was in 2016. I don't have recent numbers, but I'm sure it's increased since then. Hair is very important to the African-American community. Black people have always, it's, it's kind of a part of our mental health treatment and therapy. We, we might not go to a counselor, but we're going to be at our stylist every two weeks, every week. 
some people, that's our lifestyle. Our hair is really a part of who we are. So it's important that it's, you know, it's different, it's unique. There's a lot of complications when it comes to styling and maintaining a style, especially a straight style, because our hair is curly and it wants to curl. And that's what it does. So anything like water or sweat is going to make our hair curl right back up, if, even if we straighten it. And I don't care if you have um, a silk press, a hot comb, or a perm. Because even, you know, you see me at the beach with my perms back in the day. It, it just curls up, gets all frizzy. So, Girl, I came across some pictures today. I can't wait to show you. I have some pictures <laughs> of us. But, yeah, you're totally right about the situation where these little girls' identities are being developed. Because I remember the time when I got my perm, I was about the same age as she was. I was in sixth grade. And I remember kids, You back then you had a jerry curl or you had a perm. And my hair was natural. I wore it in ponytails. And people laughed at me. You know, they said it was nappy. And then my mom had it in so many ponytails like I was a little kid. I ain't like that. So I stopped letting her do my hair. She got tired of fighting me to do my hair because it is a process. Mm -hmm. It takes such a long time for them to even ask them to take down those braids as an insult because they probably took four to eight hours. Yeah. And some styles take even longer. And when I lived with you, I got my training on how much time was involved in hair. Yeah. So, and now that it's natural, it's so much easier. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so this is completely different, but along the same lines, I last year decided to stop coloring my hair. I stopped coloring the gray. And I'm 42 years old. I've got a five-year-old son and the first thing people would say to me is, what does your husband think? That's the first thing they'd say to me. And I've had friends who I adore, friends, say to me, you need to color your hair again. You just, you look so much better with your hair colored. And I had a little bit of a health scare where I was trying to cut out as much chemical as I could. And I was just like, I'm over it. It was such a process just to color my hair. Like, I couldn't do it anymore. It got to the point where I really was thinking, I mean, I was borderline ready to just like, okay, I'm just going to shave it and go super short. And then I was like, all right, I need a ponytail because that's my safe zone. (laughs) I need a ponytail. But yeah, I mean, and everybody's got an opinion about hair. That's why I think it's what they're doing to these kids. Like the other little boy that we saw last week. And this young lady, and this happens, like you mentioned, when you mentioned it, it dawned on me that... All the time and all through life. Yeah. I mean, even colleges, I told you, Hampton University School of Business will not allow their students to come in with with braids and dreadlocks either. A lot of jobs would... Girl, women fret over... Should I actually straighten my hair for this interview or is it okay for me to wear my little afro Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. my my puff? Mm -hmm. What message am I sending with what hair I'm wearing? Yeah. Yeah. Or what message will they, you know, receive? Right, right, right. What what, what will their perspective be? What will their, yeah, exactly. Right. People have a certain expectations and if you don't meet their expectations, it's really rough for you. People really expect you to conform to their standards. So, you know, there's people who would argue with these schools. They would say, oh, well, if you don't want to abide by their rules, then just go go to another school. Don't go to that school. And to those people, 
I'd like to make clear, at least last week's student, he was, he got a scholarship to that school, as I understand. That's a very sought after school. And I don't think that there's anyone who can argue that this little boy's hair was going to prevent him from doing what he needed to do in school. Or distract others. Yeah. that's what they use as an excuse. They said the girls flip their hair, which all girls do that. It sends a bigger message. It sends a bigger message to the African-American community. Well, it sends a bigger message because, yeah, if you don't want to go to their schools, don't go to their schools. But these schools are saying they want diversity. Right. That they welcome diversity, that they value diversity. Right. But they aren't showing, they're not making you feel welcome when you're there. Yeah. The bottom line, and it's always been like that, lip service. Yeah. So how, how are you making me feel comfortable and making me feel wanted when you're telling me that my hairstyles, traditional hairstyles, are inappropriate? I mean, and really, that's it, labeling it inappropriate. <laughs> Unprofessional is structural racism. It is. And I feel so sad. You know, and I understand people's position. You know, that is a private school. Right. So the parents are looking into other schools, which I don't blame them. Right. Uh, I bet they won't get a reimbursement on their tuition. I did hear dad say something about he wanted his money back. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Did you? That's why so many black women, I think, are becoming entrepreneurs now because it's like I can't conform and deal with the pressures of being in corporate America because right. it's not for me. Right. Right. You know? And I know you're not paying me my worth. And as a black woman, I'm getting paid less than almost anybody for the same work. Right. So why not Fewer just promotion. run my own show? Yeah. 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 And then I don't have to worry about what you think about my clothing or the shape of my body. Because Serena Williams... That was just some craziness. Did you see open. that? Girl. She, and that was what she was supposed to wear for her circulation, for her condition. Like, really? That was designed specifically for her condition that she almost died from after having her baby. Yeah, medical. But because her body is shaped the way it's shaped and proportioned the way it is... Is intimidating. Well, I know. Why is that even a thing? That's like, I don't understand why we're all supposed to come in these same sizes. We don't come in in one size. We come in so many different sizes. So many different sizes and shapes. Why can't that just be okay? Yeah. It's messed up. It is messed up. But I like the fact that she came out with the tutu. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Go, girl. Check out Leonica's blog. You know, Samson and Delilah is a story I remember from Catholic school about hair and Mm -hmm. strength Mm -hmm. and the power of hair. And I mentioned to you about um, the gentleman in my parents' neighborhood. He's a sick man, and the sick people, they grow their hair really long, and then they put it in a tight, tight bun. But because of the stigma associated with wearing a turban, they're often mis misunderstood and people think they're Muslim and so the gentleman in my parents neighborhood decided to take his turban off and just ride and just walk with a baseball hat around the neighborhood and I know there's some bigoted stuff happening in my parents neighborhood for sure for sure one of the kids was telling my kid oh you know they were playing on the on the playground he was telling my kid yeah your grandma and grandpa are just here because Trump didn't kick them out that's what my dad said he was like 6 oh years my old goodness 6 years old like wow okay so 
But yeah, I, I, I mean, is there anything more you want to cover on the hair thing? Because we could go on and on about how unjust and what the signs, what, what it actually is a larger picture of. But I think we could pull that apart like crazy. We know what it's saying. We know what it's saying about the bigger picture. We know what it's saying about the ultimate opportunity level for certain groups of people. Well, you, not only opportunity, but convenience, too. Right. People also, people don't recognize it's hard for us to even find hair products. And why are our hair products in a separate place than all the other hair products? Like, they have the same ingredients. Ours are sometimes even more natural and safe. Why do they do that? What's that about? Or in some places, you'll go and all the natural hair products are locked up. Why? Stigma. Racism. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's so, that's the <laughs> implicit stuff that affects you as you're being socialized. And it is sending you messages telling you who you are and what you need to be. So you are different. So you come over here and get your hair supplies. We are going to go walk past this because we don't need it. And you're lucky if if we have a selection for you anyway, because some places you just can't find stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And people don't realize the effect that that has on people when you go into Walgreens or Walmart or wherever and the Pantene and VO5 and all that is just sitting out, but you have to ask them to come unlock your hair care products. Something that you need for life, basic survival, shampoo, conditioner. Ain't that some shit though? And that, and I, and that's just the type of thing that continues day to day to day to day that we all just do 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 do, do and go about our merry way on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because nobody notices it unless you're affected by it. And even if like you are affected by it, you're just so used to it as being just the way it is that you don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. Well, I think people are starting to recognize it. People are starting to get mad, especially when they're locking up the products. I mean, that's just rude. So what are you saying? Black people steal from hair products and, and white people don't? Right. Give me a break. But do you think more people are realizing that? Do you think more people are saying, like, wh how do they respond to it? Do they boycott? What do they do? I order a lot of products online because, for one, there aren't that many black scientists and doctors who are creating products. Mm -hmm. Or creators who are, are, you know, there's not a huge pool right. out there. Right. And they won't carry a lot of the brands that I want that's safe and going to work for my hair. So I order a lot of stuff online directly from the product lines or through Amazon. Um, I have certain places I know I can get certain things. There is a natural hair care boutique here now in um, Grand Rapids. Nice. That I go to, and you know, they even have tutorials and workshops and stuff sometimes about natural hair. Because, like you said, it is a thing. People want to learn how to take care of their hair. People want to stop poisoning ourselves. Well, I was gonna say, is there any research, and I'm sure there has been, of people getting sick from the chemicals, right? 
Oh my God, Shelani, not only are they getting sick, the detanglers they're using in these little girls' hair are causing prepubescent puberty. Right. They are having their periods earlier, their breasts are budding earlier, um, hips are widening. They've learned that. And then some of the chemicals and stuff, they're, they think may be linked to a cancer, and they're doing trying to do some research. But, of course, the big companies who could do the research are, if anything, they're going to be researching mainstream products, not our products. So there's not a lot of research out there on African-American hair products. They're starting to get some. There is like a... Um, a guidebook that will tell you some things about um, different chemicals to look for. Like I read the ingredients on my hair products now better than I read the ingredients on my food products. <laughs> and I, I feel like if I can't put it inside my body, yeah. I can't put it on my hair. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Except for dye. I, I, I dye my hair. <laughs> Do you? I do. I got to do something different, you know, and wait, you go natural, but you color your hair, but you probably use like a natural coloring, right? Yeah, I do try and find some natural color. It's but... hard, though. It's hard to find that when you're free stuff. For me, it's more I just don't want that stuff that was in the perms. Yeah. I mean, it it could dissolve aluminum cans. Yeah. So, and leaving blisters and sores on my head, that just, you know. That's awful. That sounds painful. Yeah. So, society, especially American society, just hair shames black women. Well, apparently little black boys, too, at school. Yeah. And boys. So. That's sad. The blog is to counter that story and to provide an opposite perspective of natural hair being beautiful, people with natural hair being healthy, loving each other, helping each other, getting along, teaching each other. Do you talk at all to those people in your blog who, um, it's the worst, and you've I've seen you go through it, I've seen other friends of mine go through it, the, can I touch your hair? Your hair is so cool. Can I touch your hair? Your hair is so cool. Let me touch your hair. Yeah, it's like somebody coming up, can I give you a hug? You'd be like, what? <laughs> or especially people who are too touchy-feely and they might just grab it thinking that it's okay. If, if somebody just came up and grabbed you and hugged you. You mean people just walk up to you and grab your hair? It was not mine. But <laughs> some of them. <laughs> not mine. I got good reflexes. Uh-uh. Dodge. Uh, people have tried. And do you tell them? Back off? Well, yeah, because that's a boundary issue. You got to give me three feet. Why, why do people do that, Lee? Why do people do that? Why do people walk up and say, I don't, I've never in one, not once in my life thought I needed to walk up and touch somebody's hair. I've never, ever thought I want to touch somebody else's hair. But I've seen Black that happen. exotic. I've seen that happen so many times where people will just walk up and they'll say to a friend of mine, I want to touch your hair. It's so cool. I need to touch your hair. Think about it. Residential segregation. This country is still as segregated as it's always been. And so when white women and men actually see women with natural hair now, they're interested. And 
every now and then they do ask permission, you know, may I touch your hair or can, that's so pretty. Can I see what it feels like? You know, and, and usually their approach is very kind out of curiosity, but again, it's, it's exotic and unique because they don't come to where we are. You know, we go to where they are all the time because we don't have a choice. Right. They don't have to think, you right. know, right. but they don't have to come around us. So I think it's kind of that curiosity. And then if they feel that you've connected enough that, you know, they can ask questions and learn because they don't want to be racist. Nobody wants to be racist, but they want to have a conversation. Uh-huh. Then this is a, this is an icebreaker for them to have that conversation for maybe the bigger questions or something, or maybe, exactly. they, feel, maybe they feel like they're getting there with you. But some women don't feel like when you want to touch my hair, I, I'm not, this is not a petting zoo. No. And that's exactly how it comes across. That's yeah. when I've heard it, when I've heard it or been witness to it, that's exactly my reaction is this is not a zoo. What, what do yeah. you, what do you know? You cannot No, we don't pet people. No. But Shalini, there is a segment of society that doesn't look at black women and men as people. Uh, we are. <laughs> that's a perfect segue for what I'm about to um, talk about here. I hope you're okay with that. Let's get it. So I voted in my first Florida gubernatorial primary yesterday. Brother man, brother man. Yeah. So this Gillum guy did it. He Mm -hmm. was a big upset, Tallahassee mayor. I felt like, man, when I went to Indiana, the Colts won the Super Bowl. When I went to Wisconsin, Packers won. I came here. You know, I was like, yes, like, yes, this is. Okay, lucky charm. Okay, exactly, lucky charm. But then, Lee, today, his soon-to-be competitor, very casually, like, just in conversation, I kind of want you to hear it. I don't want to say it out loud. Ron DeSantis said that Florida would monkey it up if they didn't put a Republican back in the governor's seat. Um, Let me see if I can get this audio. (coughs) And he doesn't even flinch, Lee. Like, he doesn't even... To him, it's just totally... I think it's, some people are saying it's a dog whistle, you know, for the, the, the people, to, his people to hear him, that the group of support, people who support that yeah, behavior and he, attitude. He, he, he's drawing the land, the line in the sand, letting people know which side he's on. Right. I mean, although he's much too, too liberal for Florida, I think he's got huge problems with how he's governed Tallahassee. Uh, you know, he is an articulate spokesman for those far left views and he's a charismatic candidate. And, you know, I watched those Democrat debates. None of that was, was my cup of tea, but I mean, he performed better than the other people there. So, so we've got to work hard to make sure that we continue Florida going in a good direction. Let's build off the success we've had on Governor Scott. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up by trying to embrace a socialist agenda with huge tax increases and bankrupting the state that is not going to work that's not going to be good for florida what 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 was that i mean this is a florida election you know my blood is like boiling and girl and i can't even let you hear the girl who was defending him saying he just he was just talking if he was racist he wouldn't have come out and said it like that my blood is boiling i don't know that there'll be any backlash from that i don't know that people understand how big that is for him to say that, but 
Andrew Gillum seems to be on the right page as far as how he's, I saw his response earlier. So this particular candidate, I'm sure, has the Trump endorsement. Oh, yeah, of course. He's all about Trump. So, yeah, they always use code. Well, that was just blatant, though. I mean, I, I'd rather know where he stands than them to say things like criminal and insurgents and terrorists because they try and use cold words about people who they don't have respect for. So it's clear he does not have respect for, I don't know how many black people are in Florida, but he really doesn't care about them. And that means he's going to make decisions just like the people in the city of Flint, Michigan, made regarding their water systems and not caring about that community. Yeah. So we just have to be careful and, and thank him for identifying himself as who he is as. Thank you, Mr. DeSantis for for putting it out there. So last week I was doing gloom and -hmm. I was like, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. I'm feeling better today. Good. I feel better today. Like it's it. Maybe we could see the change in in our lifetime. Would be awesome. If not, I hope I can help really build towards it in my kids' lifetime towards some like well, serious like I change. Said, I think Gillum running it, it is a good move because the local and state politics are going to be very important in countering countering this negativity and craziness that we have in the White House. Mm-hmm. Well, in Washington, period. Not just the White House. I don't even feel good about calling it the White House anymore. I don't. Now it really... (laughs) I don't feel good. Before, it was, you know, it was the White House, and it wasn't a big deal. But now calling it the White House means it's really like a symbol now. Of the whiteness of the house that leads the country? Yeah, Yeah. white power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we mentioned earlier, Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum won a big upset victory in the Florida Democratic gubernatorial primary. The stakes for progressives couldn't be higher. Gillum is their chance to show that a progressive message can win in the swingiest of swing states. And Gillum would make history if elected in November. He would become Florida's first African-American governor. And the mayor of Tallahassee joins you now. Mayor Gillum, welcome to Meet the Press Daily. What's up, Chuck? Uh, go Canes, man. I was going to ask you that at the end. You're a guy that's been in Miami, lived in Gainesville, and mayor of Tallahassee. I assume it better be Rattlers first. Right? Well, it's always Rattlers first. There Let's you be go. Clear the green and that. orange. Uh, the other green. The way I looked at it, the other green and orange in the state of Florida. That's exactly right, man. <laughs> but we love all our Florida schools. All right. Let me start uh, with the controversy today by your opponent, Congressman uh, Ron DeSantis. You heard something, and you said it was a page from the Donald Trump campaign manual. Do you want an apology from Congressman DeSantis? Do you think you're owed one? You know, uh, let let me be articulate and clear here, which is uh, we're better than this in Florida. Uh, I believe the congressman can be better than this. Uh, I regret that his mentor in politics is Donald Trump, uh, but I do believe that the voters of the state of Florida are going to reject the politics of division. Um, They believe that we're better than that, which is why I'm going to spend my time over the next two plus months getting around this state, talking about the issues that matter to everyday voters in this state. Uh, Kitchen table issues, health care, education, making sure we clean up our environment, which our governor has been derelict uh, with the Republican legislature to do. Um, And I think that's how we're going to win in uh, in November. Uh, But it's clear that um, uh, the congressman is going to join Donald Trump in in the swamp. 
uh, we're going to leave them there. We're going to continue to press toward a higher mark. All right, but let me ask you this. You talked about you were going to travel the state, talk about kitchen table issues. But for what it's worth, you've tweeted about, tweeted about the president 10 times this month. You pointed out the last Democratic debate, you were the only candidate who called for impeaching the president. That's fine, except yeah. you're running for governor. What would what what are you going to do as governor to stop Donald Trump? Like, why, why do you yeah. believe staking out an impeachment position in a gubernatorial race is relevant to the voters in the state of Florida? Well, I should first say, I mean, the, 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 the president uh, self-admitted that he obstructed justice uh, by firing Jim Comey uh, because he wouldn't do his bidding. Uh, those were his words. Um, um, uh, and I believe uh, that the president, uh, for those reasons, has bargained himself into conversation around impeachment. Um, I will tell you, though, it does matter what the governor of the state of Florida thinks. It matters that the governor of the state of Florida works uh, every day to push back against the kind of divisive rhetoric that this administration has been uh, so uh, increasingly uh, reliant on as a way to divide uh, this country um, and to divide my state, quite frankly. We're one of the most diverse states in all of America. Uh, it matters that the governor of this state is willing to stand up and say, do you want to know something? Uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, uh, you owe uh, the people of Puerto Rico, U.S. citizens, better than how you've treated them. And because so many of them now call Florida home, they need to know that I'm going to be a governor who stands up for them. Or if you are from Haiti or you have family who lives in yeah. Haiti, uh, that it matters to you what the president of the United States has to say about that. And you want to know that your governor is going to stand up on your behalf. Okay. He goes on in that. That is um, on MSNBC with uh, Chuck Todd. That was good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that was his response to that, that monkey bullshit. Yeah, if I was him, I wouldn't dig dignify that with too much attention either. Right. Um, just let him continue to show who he is. Yeah. And I think it's just fascinating to be in this state at a time where he was, um, he won in the primary. I just, I, you know, he ran against Graham, who was kind of a very much an establishment Democrat, you know, came from mm -hmm. a line of, I think, you know, other people in office. And yeah, it's, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what this does. I'm excited to see all the other elections kind of shake things up. Um, McCain passed away right after our show last week. Yeah, that was sad. Um, I like McCain. I liked him too. I think what made me the most sad about his passing was that we need more guys like him. Mm -hmm. And if we're not going to have more logical-minded types of Republican types, then, uh-oh, at least he was always open to conversation. I think it was speaks volumes that he asked Obama to speak at his eulogy, asked George Bush to speak at his eulogy, and mm -hmm. asked Trump to stay away. Clinton, too. He asked to speak. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, and he is absolutely not inviting Trump. Yeah. That's crazy. His his uh, you know, representative. Crazy is how disrespectful Trump was to pull the flag up. That flag stuff was crazy. He made makes such a big deal about kneeling in the flag, and he literally like abused the value of the flag on his very own White House. And then I just I feel like there's like a SNL skit where there's like the person that's like putting up the flag, taking down the flag, putting up the flag, taking down the flag, putting up. Dude, right. can't you just do something normal? Why do you have to do everything ass backwards? Why? Why does he have to do everything ass backwards? Well, and then his whole argument about the kneeling thing was respect for the gov for the military and those who serve and 
a POW, a five-year POW at the Hanoi Hilton. That's not, that doesn't, that's not a, you don't think that deserves respect? He's crazy. Sorry. I know people, I don't know why I'm saying sorry. He's really crazy. He's genuinely nuts. I didn't give credit on our last show. You know that Killer Mike segment that we played about guns and stuff? That was from one of my favorite shows, which is the Bill Maher show. Politically, well, is it even called, what is it? Real Time, thank you. Real Time with Bill Maher. It's literally the only reason that I have HBO is so that I can watch Real Time with Bill Maher. (laughs) But he had Killer Mike on and that was what that was from. Sorry I didn't reference your show, Mr. Maher, (laughs) in our last show. Uh, But he is one of my favorite, he's, I feel like he's one of the only people who like, yes. Is honest and practical. But he was talking about why can't we call Donald Trump a traitor? Why can't we call him treasonous? Why can't we? Why aren't we allowed to call him that? And one of the only other people that has actually called Donald Trump those words is John Brennan. John Brennan, CIA. 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 Yeah, so he, you know, gets his his, uh, security clearance revoked uh, because of Donald Trump, which is weird. And he's never been on live TV before, but he does real time with Bill Maher, right? So... Mm. I don't want to bore you to death with audio, but do you care if I play this audio? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Bill Maher donated to the Obama campaign in 2012. He's donated again to the upcoming campaign at like a million bucks. It's basically his way of putting his money where his mouth is. Like, look, mm-hmm. this is such an important election. What's coming up and what is a, what is at stake is so important. But this is him talking to, um, to John Brennan right after this is the week that he had his security clearances revoked. He is a distinguished scholar at Fordham and the University of Texas and was President Obama's CIA director who you may have heard recently lost his security clearance, a true American patriot, John Brennan. say it's an honor to have somebody on my show but it is an honor to meet you and have you here and i know i don't want people to know we had this booking a long time ago this isn't just because of the events of recent weeks you were scheduled to come here and i thank you for honoring it and uh you know some people on the right have accused you of uh wanting to monetize that's their argument against you you're not here to monetize anything are you john uh no uh i'm not I didn't ask to keep my security clearances. Former directors don't do that. We keep those clearances because sometimes those in government sure. want to be able to avail themselves of our experiences, our expertise, or, or um, knowledge about certain issues. Uh, so people serve on commissions. Sometimes they serve on private sector boards, whatever. But this is the first time in 38 years that I haven't had a security clearance. And uh, the basis uh, for the revocation is, uh, is bogus. Um, Mr. Trump and his administration didn't adhere even to the process that they reaffirmed last year. And the politicization of security clearances, either the granting or the revocation, is a real threat to our national security, yeah. which is why so many people came out and opposed uh, his action. And so I certainly so hope... So many people yeah. came out for you. Uh, Admiral McRaven <laughs> said... He said, please revoke my security clearance. It would be an honor, considering what you did to Brennan. Yeah, so everybody 
when the brain is on your side. Uh, it's interesting, Jared and Ivanka still have clearances. You, one of the guys who was the architect of getting Bin Laden, does not. Well, it uh, seems as though Rand Paul was the one who put this idea yes, in Donald Trump's head. And dead to me, Rand Paul. Uh, yeah, well, Rand Paul has never served on the Intelligence Committee. He knows not of which he speaks, uh, but yet he has this impression that... I'm monetizing security clearances, uh, so he continues to spout out on these issues. But uh, again, I believe very strongly in the principle that national security is one of the most sacred and solemn professions uh, in this government. And every American citizen deserves to have national security professionals, intelligence professionals, who are not going to be political, not going to be politicized, and no president ever should take that uh, uh, capability away from them. Blue lives matter, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I've been having a hell of a time here on the well, show trying to get my guests to say right. the word treason. I think the president is guilty of that, and you used terms like that. You said after Helsinki, it was nothing short of treasonous, which sounds to me like treasonous. <laughs> uh, and then I noticed this last week, some people tried to get you to take it back, and you wouldn't. And again, I, I don't I don't understand why people are so reluctant. I get it, it's a scary word. It's like, you know, don't break this glass case unless you need the... But when it's time to break the glass case, don't not do it just because it's a glass case. Yes, and I'm not a right. official of the Department of Justice where I'm issuing an indictment of right. Donald Trump on <laughs> yeah. treason. But there are two principal reasons why I use that term. One is that I think I exhausted all the other adjectives in the English language to, to describe Donald Trump's failure to fulfill his responsibilities as President of the United States, number one. Number two, but when I saw him on that stage in Helsinki, failing to be able to say to the world and to Vladimir Putin, Russia tried to interfere in our election. It, it never should have happened. It never should happen again. And if it does, Russia's going to pay some very severe consequences as a result. But he didn't do that. And so treasonous is defined as a betrayal of trust as well as aiding and abetting the enemy. And so that was the word that came to my yeah. mind. Now, he, he sh I wasn't expecting Vladimir Putin to say, okay, you caught me. He's going to continue to deny this. But this was an opportunity for Donald Trump to fulfill his responsibilities to say, Russia, cut this out. Don't do it again. And if you do it, you're going to pay a cost. And be able to say to the, everybody... And if he said that, he could have said, now, though, we have to work, United States and Russia, to be able to try to enhance stability and security around the globe. There are important things for the United States and Russia to do. I am very much supportive of trying to get relations between the two countries back on track. Critically important, the two largest nuclear superpowers in the world, mm -hmm. but we cannot ignore what it is that the Russians try to do. And so when Donald Trump failed to do that, I was irate because I know how hard that professionals here in the intelligence community work to try to keep this country strong and safe. And for Donald Trump to be up there and to fail to say that... He takes the world, their side and not ours. That's a traitor. He calls you a lowlife. You, who spent your life defending this country, especially after 9-11, when... We had all sorts of problems, and, and it could have gone way worse than it did. He, he said about General Clapper, is he a general? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, he that it, they got to him, like, he, like you could get to a guy like that. It's not on our side. You're not on our side. You are a traitor if you're attacking our generals and admirals and people who keep us safe. You're it's not that much more complicated than that to me. And I'm proud to stand with Bill McRaven and Jim Clapper and Mike Hayden and all, all the of others. Them. The ones who are speaking out. So, 
there's a lot more of that interview, uh, which I thought was awesome because the guys, you could tell he's not the type of guy to go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Bill Maher says, says on there, CIA agents don't go into the business to be public. <laughs> like, right. like, duh, that's not really where guys like that go. So I, I don't yeah, know. He hides. <laughs> um, so the part about John McCain's death that makes me sad is that, that it signifies to me the end of a type of person that I really had respect for and could carry on a conversation with. Um, yeah. You know, he's gone. And I hope that the people who support him and are so patriotic about his death will acknowledge that even in his death, the message he's sending to us by having Barack Obama speak at his funeral and Bush speak at his funeral, but making sure that Donald Trump is not as at his funeral. I'm hoping that you understand that that is his last indication to you that this guy is not welcome. He is mm-hmm. not good for us. He is not good for any of us. Very powerful message. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to tell you, I had heard of World Star. Oh, okay. I thought you should have. Do you know where I heard of it, though? Where? On Luke Cage. Do you watch Luke Cage? Yeah. I've seen a couple episodes. Luke Cage. That's a good show. I like that. I haven't gotten into it too much. Yeah. He's pretty sweet. That whole show's pretty sweet. I love it. Did I tell you that I know a lady who posted on Facebook? She is a consultant, and she, you know, takes on clients as projects, basically. Mm-hmm. And she won't take clients on that are Trump supporters because she genuinely feels that at the core there's such a difference in values and behaviors that she can't even go there and I've had a conversation with a few people who've talked about don't you wish you could just choose to work with people that you agreed with and then as I see I'll have this thought to talk to you about it I see today on Facebook that there's a group of people that works at Facebook that says that Facebook is not politically diverse enough and they're all forced to be left-wing liberals, and if they're not, then they're kind of ousted. And I thought that was interesting. But we can get wow. into that next week. I, we're about at our time. I just wanted to let you know where my head's been at. I'm glad we're doing this. You know what song I brought us in with. I've been thinking a lot about that song. What Don't song? push us, because we're close to the yeah, edge. that's why. And then it also has, like, my life theme song in it. My, like, ain't nothing gonna break in my stride. Can't nobody <laughs> hold me down. Oh, no. I got, I got to keep on moving. I don't really care about the rest of the song except for the don't push me part. Yeah, that's the only part I like anyway. Why you want to take a shot? Can't nobody hold me down. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. Everywhere, if it ain't about the money, Shelly just don't care. All right, no, that's not true. That used to be the old me. I don't care if you listen, but thank you if you do. Have a good night. Okay, so how did the podcast go? Really well, thank you.